When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... Mm -hmm. We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN. I'm joined by Matthew Collar from 1500 ESPN. We are back discussing... The Vikings, as they prepare for Sunday's game against the Arizona Cardinals, what could have been a playoff game last year if not for a missed field goal by a man who no longer is employed by the Minnesota Vikings. We'll, of course, get to that later. But the Vikings are in the midst of a four-game losing streak trying to get things righted against another team that I think a lot of people thought was going to be one of the contenders in the NFC and has uh, struggled in its own right this season. The Vikings and Cardinals from U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday in a game that it probably is going to be fairly pivotal for both teams if they want to return to the playoffs this season. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, the Arizona, I think, has been one of the biggest surprises uh, in the NFL of not being an elite team. and then uh, they, Not in a good way. But, but Right, yeah. Stings right. the nostrils it's, in a good way. It's been really kind of stunning to see their offense fall off the way that it has, and they get a win last week, but it's against a really bad San Francisco team that's yep. not going to impress anybody with that victory. And then on the other side, you have a Vikings team that is just, uh, to use the really sports broadcastery word, they are reeling at the moment. They are uh, on their heels at losing four games in a row. And in the, the way- words of Joe Namath, they are uh, struggling. struggling. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the way I look at this one, Ben, is th- they can't lose this one. I mean, yeah. if this... We are no longer in the mode of, will this season be special or just real good? Yeah. It's, will this season even be anything for the Minnesota Vikings? Playoffs or not? <laughs> and there's another one. Playoffs? Can't even win a yeah. game. Anyway, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, with this Vikings team, it's it's not unprecedented for a team to have losing streaks. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, when they won the Super Bowl, two different times they lost three out of four uh, in that season, and they came back and ended up winning the Super Bowl. So it, it isn't uh, a killer for a season when that happens yeah. to have a losing streak. But if you lose five in a row, you are in danger of not even making the playoffs. Right, and especially when you're at a point now where – the NFC is getting so muddled that you can't count on 
being at five and five and, and rallying to get a wild card. I mean, you've got. I mean, obviously, in the NFC East, you have two teams that are that have a leg up on you. The Giants are six and three now, and, and the Redskins, what are five three and one, with a win against you. Yeah, these um, ties could end up playing a a role in who they makes could. the playoffs. They could. Uh, you've got. You've got Seattle is ahead in that division. The Cardinals, if they would happen to lose to the Cardinals on Sunday, then that becomes an issue there. Uh, the, the Panthers are are playing well and starting to, to build some momentum here. And the NFC North is as is cra- is crowded as ever. So um, the, the wild card mix would not be one I'd want to get myself into. And it's, the good news for the Vikings is, is it's a, this division is very much up for grabs. It doesn't seem like anybody wants to go out and win it. But I would not want to have to go into Detroit on four days rest to play a team that typically is up for its Thanksgiving Day game and have that be a game that I absolutely have to have. It probably is anyway, given the fact that you lose a tiebreaker for sure with the Lions if you lose to them again. But you want to have at least a little bit of margin for error before you go to Detroit on Thanksgiving Day, and that's why... I, there are a number of reasons why this game is important. That, to me, is one of them. Well, they're lucky from the standpoint that the NFC North has been really kind of a bus fire so far yeah. this year. I mean, Detroit has been good at times, not so good at times, and Green Bay has just fallen apart, and they look like they're not going to be a playoff team They there. look like they're trying to get their coach fired, don't I, they? Yes, they, they do. What what was Mike McCarthy's line this week? I'm a, I'm very a highly <laughs> successful NFL coach. <laughs> I drive a Dodge Stratus. Yeah, n- not this year you're not a highly successful. NFL coach. How many Will Ferrell references have we gotten into the first five minutes of this? <laughs> I slipped in an Anchorman one there a few minutes ago, and that's number two. I think I think it's just two, right? Uh, two, get, but we, hit, we can go for more here. We hit Joe Namath. Um, we hit. We could Will say Ferrell, that Mike McCarthy owns many leather-bound books. He um, might. <laughs> but uh, he's got a street named after him. The, the The question that comes to mind for me with the the Vikings here is when you look at the four losses in a row and how we should feel about their chances to win the division and to make the playoffs and, and still have the potential to make it a special season is just how how much you believe in, in these results. Because in some ways, those two games against Philadelphia and Chicago were complete disasters for yes. this team from top to bottom. Yep. And those aren't ones that you can look at and go, eh, well, we didn't get the breaks. Total system failure in the words of another team in town. But the last two games... I think there's a lot of bad luck involved, which nobody ever wants to hear you say. When, yeah. you, when you talk about injuries or bad luck, fans immediately go, oh, come on, you can't make excuses for the team. But in this case, they have a game-winning drive against Detroit, what should have been, and then it's a 58-yard field goal to tie it. Yes. And that's how they win. And in Washington, they're driving. They've got the ball, and things fall apart at the very end. But you're right in that game and right in position to win, and it just didn't come through. So on one hand, I guess you could say, well, there have been some things, especially with the defense, that worry uh, in terms of how good you could be the rest of the season. And then on the other hand, you could say, well, look, you were right on the doorstep of winning both of those games, and most of the time you probably will. Well, you know, we mentioned we'll get to Blair Walsh in a while. I think everybody's probably kickered out enough that we won't spend a ton of time on it. But uh, if that extra point is inside the goalpost instead of hitting it, they win that game. They're sitting at 6-3 and three right now and still in charge of the division. So, yeah, I mean, yes, there is a little bit of luck involved in there. And, and obviously, uh, in the words of uh, Billy Zane from Titanic vis-a-vis Dwight Schrute from The Office, a real man makes his own luck. Billy Zane, Titanic. Man, we are just... 
throwing all sorts of pop culture stuff out here today. Uh, and I, I could go Billy Zane from Zoolander. You should listen to your friend Billy listen Zane. Friend He's Billy a cool Zane. dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a walk-off. It's uh, a walk-off. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there is probably there's some luck involved. There always is. Injuries, there's an element of luck involved in that. I mean, you, yes, it's physical, but there is a an element of, of randomness in terms of when injuries hit. They're going to hit at any time in the NFL, and it's just the way – things happen with the way collisions happen all of that kind of stuff so yeah i mean yes there is a little bit of luck in there but if you are the kind of team that you were talking about being you know mike zimmer and i wrote about this earlier this week mike zimmer used the word special after five weeks and nfl coaches don't use that word it's a bland term but in the nfl it doesn't get thrown around lightly it's it's seen in the nfl as kind of a uh, an unutterable word unless you feel like you have a team that has a chance to go a long, long, long way and possibly win the whole thing. And, and I think when he said that after five weeks, it was saying him saying, I think we have everything we need to, to make a run. And, and that was with a lot of the issues that they still have, still staring them in the face. But they were able to manage a lot of those issues through the first few weeks of the season, and now the offensive line – stuff has kind of come home to roost and they've they've had a lot of trouble with that in in recent weeks but uh it's this game could be the tipping point of of whether this season goes one way or the other and when you talk about the injuries and where the season could go the rest of the way this is where i would say yeah the last two games had a lot of luck involved that went the wrong way for them but injuries on the defensive side i think any injury that happens on that defense makes it go from the best in the league to just pretty good. Yep. From where can't they, afford just pretty good right now. Right from where they were shutting down Eli Manning, who yep. you know the Giants have turned their season around to look pretty good. You go from that defense, which I thought was a masterful performance, the same uh, against Houston. There were other ones that were really good against Carolina. Carolina, against Green Bay. The reason I'd look at the Giants one is because the Giants have turned out to be good. Yeah, and that offense is excellent, and Odell Beckham is a superstar, and they made him look bad. But they had all their horses yes. in that game. Yep. And when you go back to these last two you know Mackenzie Alexander has to come into the game because of injuries and both times it went really poorly for him and you have to move Terrence Newman to the inside which forces Trey Wayans to play a lot more than you want him to play and we see Terrence Newman getting driven out of here today right as practice is going to start right not sure why exactly we haven't seen an injury report yet but one could assume it had something to do with that. And he's had a great year yeah. this year yeah. so far. And and if you, you're talking about the potential of not having him for a game, they were missing uh, Anderson Deho for a game there in Chicago, and they got burned on that right off the bat with J. Ron Kirst taking uh, a poor angle. But they don't have everybody. It isn't like there's a second wave behind their top starters who's ready to step in and fill in these positions. I think it's been proven that there's a big drop-off from the first team to the guys on the second team right now. And then, I mean, there's Eric Hendricks as well. I mean, Eric Hendricks is great at shutting down opposing running backs out of the backfield. He's fast. Uh, he can he can tackle exceptionally well. He's great uh, when it comes to the screen game. And if he's out and you have to put in Chad Greenway and, or, or Emmanuel Lemur and play them a lot, um, it's pretty pretty clear that that's that's trouble for the vikings defense we do have an injury report now and uh oh. terrence newman was not practicing today with an illness so okay uh, that probably is a good sign in the sense that it would be something you would assume 
is not going to keep him out all week. So You could have will, done sources on that. I, said, well, the source is an injury report that's in my inbox that was sitting there 20 minutes ago that I just hadn't checked yet. You so. could have said, sources say, cannonball. I could have done that. Well, I, I I could have set it up the way he sets it up in that movie with the uh, I need to stop I need everyone to stop what you're doing and listen and then yell cannonball. But I did not do that. Um, the defensive injuries was where we were yes, at before we got yes. distracted. And by Eric that. Kendricks obviously did not practice again today with a hip injury, not a head injury, which was uh, initially announced in the press box on Sunday, and we all nearly tweeted that only to uh, figure out that no, they said hip, not head. I, I think. A couple of people still wrote head today, but uh, no, it was a hip uh, when he banged into Anthony Barr on that would-be interception. They need to get him back, though. I, I think that's a, an injury that is one that hurts them a lot if he's not out there. Yeah, and that's the thing is we're, we're talking a lot about um, the Arizona offense and how that struggled, or we're going to get into that uh, a little bit more here, and that's been a big topic of conversation. And, well, it isn't going to struggle if they could pass over the middle successfully. And when right. Kendricks went out, what was the first thing that Kirk Cousins did? He went right against Emmanuel yep. Lemur in the end zone. And you had both backup linebackers there. Neither one of them could get on um, uh, Jamison Crowder going across the middle. And it just hurt you right away. And I think all, almost everything that Washington did, you could point to in one way or another as, well, if they had this guy in, then maybe that happens. Right. And the other yeah. thing, too, I don't I know agree with that. what your opinion on this is, but where is the four-man pressure up front gone? Because – now, that, there are no injuries, as far as we know, yep. up front yep. with those four guys or four-plus, if you include Brian Robison and, and Daniil Hunter and, and Tom Johnson and Shamar Stephan, who all mix in. They had three sacks since the bye week. I mean, it's been almost completely eliminated. Yeah, it has. And, I, and people have been throwing the ball quickly, and that's kind of been the, the narrative. Uh, that has been happening all year. I mean, the, I looked at it this week that, the time before quarterbacks get rid of the ball has not changed in any material way from weeks one through five to weeks seven through ten. So obviously people are able to hold up a little bit better or you aren't getting home quite as often. They they probably haven't been able to blitz quite as effectively when Eric Hendricks has been hurt with, with one thing or the other, and Anthony Barr just hasn't been very good. I mean, we, we think he's healthy for the most part. He's always been a guy that you wonder about injuries with, but they have not been very good at, at getting to the quarterback, either with standard pressure or with their blitz. And that has become a problem because as that's happened, the turnovers have gone away. And, that, I mean, that really is something that I think on Sunday needs to get fixed because when they're not causing pressure, that is kind of where you see the whole defense unravel. And the other thing that they have to do is get back to being able to stop the run. I mean, they did that. That's been an issue for this team really since 2014. I mean, it was an issue before that, too, but everything was an issue on defense in 2013. 2014, 2015, the, the big problem Mike Zimmer's defenses have had is playing the run. They were really good at that the first few weeks of the season. Haven't been as much in recent weeks. You need to have one of those games where Linval Joseph's able to shut down the middle against David Johnson, and and uh, they're able to not be in second and five and, and third and four, third and three. You need to have some third and eight, third and nine kind of situations. Well, to see Chicago reel off the number of yards that they did and then last week with Washington going over 100 yards too was kind of surprising considering how well they shut down the run over the first couple of weeks. And I mean, we were even talking about when we got to, I think, week four, week five, like, oh, who is uh, the MVP at the quarter of the season and, and things like that. And we were saying, oh, well, Linval Joseph has a great – a case for that because he's been so good at shutting down the middle 
And I thought that that was where the defense all came from, its success, was if you can have one guy shut down the entire middle of the field and not be able to run in that area, then everything else plays off that. And that goes for the four-man pressure, too, is that when I was going back and watching the film, there were a number of times where it was four against five, which the Vikings had been able to beat regularly. Yep. Four, four guys rushing against five offensive linemen, and that was it. And against Kirk Cousins, they did not get to him very often. And it was on seven-step dropbacks. Yeah. It was on deep developing routes. It was not just, oh, he's throwing the ball quick. He did that uh, quite a bit, but every NFL team does now. Nobody drops back 10 yards and hucks it up the field. Maybe Carson Palmer's the closest thing to that of yes. those vertical routes in the, uh, the old-school 60s-style offense. But... I mean, for the most part, everybody is using some West Coast concepts that they're going to use. But when you're dropping back seven steps and you're sending your running back out, too, and the four men can't get there, then that's a huge advantage for yeah. the quarterback. There's a lot of things about the Cardinals that are kind of old-fashioned, like a head coach that just is like, hey, this is what we're going to do on Sunday. Go out and try to stop it. So uh, my hat's off to Bruce Arians for that today. I mean, that we could spend some time talking about that, too. Patrick Peterson, Bruce Arians said today, is going to shadow Stephon Diggs. That, to me is a problem for the Vikings because that offense last Sunday was mostly Stephon Diggs and Kyle Rudolph on on quick throws. And if you don't have Stephon Diggs, I mean, Sam Bradford said today when I asked him about it, you can't just sit there and say, well, you go in thinking that side of the field is completely closed off or we can't throw to this guy because Patrick Peterson's on him. They're going to have to challenge him, but it's going to make it tougher to uh, to get a lot of things going, I think. I think the best plan that they can have on that is to use digs all over the field, on each side, yep. in the slot, wherever they can. We haven't seen any wide receivers in the backfield this year, but the old Percy Harvin of uh, putting the receiver in the backfield sometimes might not be a crazy thing to do, especially since the running backs haven't done anything. So when you're in the shotgun all the time, lining up receivers all over the field when someone's shadowing them to try to create havoc in other places and right. to try to create mismatches in other places. The Vikings, week to week, don't have that many mismatches with their playmakers versus the other team's top talent, but getting the ball to Cordero Patterson in space, giving him opportunities to run with the ball. And I think Kyle Rudolph from week to week is often a mismatch for whatever linebacker is supposed to cover him. Yeah. He is uh, fast and big and has good hands and is, one. I think, one establishing himself at least this year as one of the better pass-catching tight ends around. And that's usually a big part of the West Coast offense is to have that tight end. So there's, there's that idea. There's also maybe potentially trying to use digs to stretch the field a little yeah. to create other opportunities yeah. underneath because, I mean, Adam Thielen, I think, has had a really good year this year, and, and this might be one of those games where we see him come back and have a big game like when Diggs was out against Houston. Yeah, it certainly could be. And uh, speaking of the running backs, I've gotten a few questions this week about whether the Vikings would make a move for Kristen Michael, and he is, in fact, coming to the NFC North to the Green Bay Packers. Oh, not they just the Vikings, claimed him huh? off waivers today. So the Packers obviously in need of a running back as well, and uh, probably have more than a million dollars in cap room, which the Vikings cannot claim for themselves after uh, signing two players this week, including Kai Forbath. So um, Kristen Michael coming to the NFC North, going to John Schneider's old team, uh, the Packers, as, the, as they try to fix their own set of 
a long set of issues. Well, that's a great transition into the Vikings running game then because now that we know that he's not going to be the solution. That was not off the top of our heads, kids. That's professional-grade podcasting right it there. It certainly is. So what is Wait, You the, think we um, just draw this up on the fly? <laughs> hey, we don't just go out in the backyard this, and huck the ball around. This is a, uh, a well-orchestrated, highly – sophisticated machine here yeah and and in like a few minutes i've got all the arizona starting quarterbacks going back to 2002 for round you, two so of our guess the is, crappy quarterbacks game that is we need a title uh, for that but we could just go with that guess I the crappy quarterbacks is pretty catchy yeah. i think yeah. um but crappy that is quarterback jeopardy I, the, the it's not really jeopardy i don't have to answer in the form of a question yeah no you can just say the person's name guess the crappy quarterbacks that works the running game yeah what the heck can this team do? Speaking of things that are crappy. <laughs> what can they do? 2.7 yards a carry is historically bad. Worse since the 1953 Giants. And uh, the, those Giants, boy, I remember them struggling. But, I, I mean, when you're talking about averaging that few yards per carry, when you can't get a third and one, a fourth and one, when you're converting those at an incredibly low rate for what you should – do, do you just have to almost ignore the running game? Do you have to go to, we're going to throw the ball 50 times a game if we have to and, and treat the passing game, the short passes, like the running game? Because it's not like you're going to get any help on this offensive line. It's only going to get worse now with Jake Long out. Yeah, well, it's funny you mention the approach when you can't run the ball because I'm doing something on that for tomorrow morning. Uh, and our fine folks at ESPN have some information. Look this up. Two teams in NFL history have made the playoffs by averaging three yards or less rushing for the entire season. Both of those teams. I know one of them was the 94 Patriots. Correct. Uh, Bill Parcells' first team, I believe, in New England. Drew Bledsoe threw the ball 691 times that year. Still second most in a season in NFL history behind Matthew Stafford in 2012. The other team is another New England Patriots team, 1986, the year after they lost the Super Bowl. They went 11-5, and five, lost in the divisional playoffs, threw for like 3,900 yards, which at the time was a lot. They, I think it was fifth most in the league. That was a team that had to throw the ball a lot as well, and they had a, a pretty good defense. I, I, the, the, the thing, though, is that I mean that Patriots team in the 80s had Irving Fryer, had a, had a number one receiver. I'm trying to, the 94 Patriots would have had probably Ben Coates. Uh, Vincent Brisby. Ray Crittenden? Oh, my. Probably. Yeah, I mean, not uh, Terry yeah, but, Glenn but yet. Coates would have been the guy. Right, right. But, I mean, they were a, a team that, that pretty much went all in on it. And, you know, we've we've talked about this with Mike Zimmer before. I mean, he basically is – he grew up with a philosophy with his dad of, you know, whatever it takes to win is what you have to do. You don't sit there and say, well, we got to do this so many times. you got to do this this many times. I mean, the, the offensive – willingness to adapt is is something Mike Zimmer learned from his dad and and certainly something that we've seen his other mentor Bill Parcells model with that 94 Patriots team so I mean yeah you could get to a point where you have to throw that many times but I don't know that this offense has enough people to to make it work I mean the guy as we talk about it that you you want to see probably more of at this point and he he was a full participant today I want to see more of Laquan Treadwell I mean I I think that's another guy that you can throw in there that you just that maybe can give you a spark that that could give you an element of the passing game that we haven't seen yet. But to, to answer the question about the running game, I, I I'm not sure that it's going to get a lot better at this point. I just I don't think that there's a lot of reason to think that 
anything is going to change in a material way. I mean, I, you know, I was talking to Matt Bowen about this yesterday for the the film review piece that we do every week, and he and the point he made is like you can't fix an offensive line when it's almost Thanksgiving. You, you're just not going to be able to do it, and this is going to be what they have, and and have to deal with the fact that th- these are your guys. Now, the other question here, the tantalizing question, obviously, is what if Adrian Peterson comes back? Does that fix anything in a way that this running game changes in a major fashion? I have my opinion on that, but I want to hear what you think. I think it does in just the way that he's Adrian Peterson. And he will be tougher to bring down than Matt Asiata and Jarek McKinnon. Sure. I mean, the one thing that we know about Jarek McKinnon is if he's going to break off a big run or if he's going to have success – it's got to be juking guys. It's got to be good blocking. It's got to be finding some lanes there. It can't be shedding a tackle in the backfield and then breaking away because yep. that's just not really his game. And I do think if it's third and one and you need a yard, you've got a much better chance with Adrian Peterson than you do either one of those guys just by his sheer power right. uh, and his size and how tough he is to bring down. that He can get a yard where other people can't. And we heard it at the beginning of the year, even though he was averaging 1.6 yards per carry, at the beginning of the year we heard other defenses say, and we saw it a little bit on film of, well, you know, we still have to respect Adrian Peterson and just who he is. And for other teams to even just have it in their mind, because right now – it's you could stop it with three guys with a three-man front. You don't even need four people up front to stop this Vikings yep. running game, and you could just focus entirely on the West Coast offense, and you don't have to worry about anything else but short passes. And if Peterson is in there, then you do have to worry about it. And there's also a possibility of using some draw plays, some delays where you're throwing all game, and then you give it to Peterson where everybody's pinned their ears back and is rushing, and he can potentially break a big play. That's where I see it. I don't think he's averaging much more than three and a half yards a carry, though. Yeah, well, the the problem, and here's here's why I think it's not going to change it in a in a major fashion. I I do think he helps. There's no question about it that he's better than the options they have right now. I mean, especially when Jarek McKinnon either hasn't been healthy enough or just not effective enough to go out and, and make a huge difference. But I I think you should probably temper expectations of what you're going to get from him. I mean, the, the Vikings this year are producing 1.44 yards per carry before contact this season. That is the worst mark by more than a quarter yard since ESPN started tracking this stat in 2009. They were 30th in the league in in 2009 at creating yards before contact. The difference is you had Peterson coming through like that truck that just went by us. <laughs> getting something like two-plus yards a carry after contact, and, and he certainly is able to do that. You probably have big runs that bring that number up. But he averaged like three yards a carry before contact in 20 – or after contact in 2012, which is just insane, and you can't expect to see that. But you can probably figure that there will be a run or two where he gets through, breaks a tackle, and, and rips off a chunk of yards, assuming he's healthy and assuming that his speed is, is back to what it typically has been. I mean, that – whether all that comes together this season, we'll see. But I I don't think, even if it's Adrian Peterson, that you're going to see this running game turn into something that makes a huge difference. The ways that it will help if he comes back is one that you mentioned, that you now have something else that defenses have to respect and game plan for because there's not a lot of that there right now. And I also think the fact that they are getting back to more of a West Coast offense and a little bit more zone running 
I mean, that's the stuff that Adrian Peterson has made his money on is zone runs where he has options of where to. I mean, you talk about bang, bend, or bounce with a with a mm-hmm. zone run. Those are basically your three options. You can put it up the middle, bend it outside, or try to cut it back. Um, and I, you know, he's he's made a living either on a lot of times popping it outside or cutting back across the grain of a play, reading it where he wants to go. So I mean, that that could certainly help. I don't think that. I mean, we talk about the shotgun stuff. I don't know that he was ever completely comfortable with some of the power stuff. I mean, some of it worked. I mean, when they have just typical downhill power plays, that's fine. But the, the, the thing that has made Adrian Peterson Adrian Peterson over the course of his career is inside zone runs. And if there are more of those in the offense, that could help. But I, I still think you're kind of splitting hairs here in terms of whether this is going to be anything better than a, a mediocre running game given the offensive line constraints that they have. Hey guys, it's Phil Mackey from 1500 ESPN and one of the hosts of Sports Over Beers, the original 1500ESPN.com podcast where you find your favorite 1500 ESPN personalities drinking beer and talking sports. Pretty simple. Find it on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500ESPN.com. And that would be the concern for me about him coming back is I think Sam Bradford needs to be in the shotgun to succeed. Yeah. I think that, he yes, needs to see the, the field. Issue. I don't think that he likes to turn his back to the defense, yep. especially if you're terrified turning your back to the defense on a play action or something. And we try um, to get rid of the ball in two seconds. Yeah, Not so, two and a half, two. I right, mean. which means catch it and throw it, yes. more or less, has been uh, yep. the case over the last few weeks since Pat Shermer took over. And if you have a conflict there between how Adrian Peterson likes to run and how Sam Bradford likes to pass, well, then Peterson's just going to have to deal with it for the most part. One of the things that we thought when Peterson went out is that the uh, offense, to use a real football word here, would be more multiple with Jarek McKinnon in. It really hasn't been. I mean, you said it. He's probably been dinged up. It seemed like when he first got in that he was uh, getting a couple of runs there where we saw some some bursts from him, and that hasn't really existed over the last few weeks. They haven't been able to get him going in the passing game, although you do wonder last week their one good pass from uh, Bradford to Jarek McKinnon away from maybe a different result there. But, uh, I mean, we, we just thought that he would get a bunch of catches and, and he would have a, a really good all-around yards year. He'd be a fantasy darling, and instead... That just really hasn't been the case. In fact, Matt Asiata probably has the best couple of catches out of the backfield yeah. all year. And yeah. I, so you're not really losing that if you bring back Adrian Peterson. Yeah, and I, I think all this talk about Adrian Peterson, we still have to get to a point where he's healthy enough to play. I mean, he he has been targeting December. From what I've the people I've talked to have told me, I, I think early December would be his hope. I the, the date I heard initially was December 1st against the Cowboys. Obviously, he grew up a Cowboys fan, and – he knows that that game is going to mean a lot both to him and, and to the Vikings. Even that is optimistic, though. I mean, I, I think anything before probably Christmas Eve against the Packers is probably a little on the early side, and even that, I mean, that's basically three months since surgery, and that's pretty much right away. I mean, the thing Eric Sugarman said to Lisa Salters when she talked to him before Monday Night Football a couple of weeks ago was that, he hasn't been cleared to run yet, and a lot of times we have to protect these guys from themselves so they don't come back too fast. And, and anybody who's watched Adrian Peterson knows that that sometimes is a concern, that he's trying to get back too quickly. And, and yes, he heals quickly. Yes, he's able to take a lot of pain and, and push pretty hard in rehab. But you still have to make sure that the knee is 
structurally sound and ready to to be used in a way that it's not going to get hurt again. So all the talk about Peterson coming back, we may still be a little ways from that happening yet. The Vikings have not really provided much of an update on that, but uh, we'll probably get a sense of that here in the coming weeks, whether that's even realistic. So So what you're saying is that there is no real solution to the running game and they should pass all the time. Uh, I'm saying there's no real solution to the running game to turn it into something terribly different than what it is, um, unless they are somehow going to up their level of play. But, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, yes, they're they're going to have to throw it a lot more than they probably would like, and and uh, their best way forward is probably to try to make that work. Well, before we talk about the Cardinals a little bit and then get to the quarterbacks, um, there is one thing about those third-down ones, fourth-down and ones. Yeah. Sneak. Yeah, they have not tried any of that. You're right. They haven't tried any of it, and it's the best statistical play. Yep. I mean, there have been multiple studies on this, one by Sports on Earth. Does that still exist when that used to exist? I think so. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it does or not. I don't know if it's still around It's a good site. I liked it. Me too. A lot of good writers there. And And um, I still do like it if it's around. I just haven't read it lately. (laughs) But there was a great breakdown of specific plays and how successful they were on second down and one, third down and one, fourth down and one. Yeah. And the QB sneak was about 20% better than taking your running back and stuffing him up the middle. Yeah. And that's not even taking into account personnel and the fact that the Vikings have a running back who ran a 4-8 and is right. just not quick at all and is just a, a big bowling ball, yeah. which has worked for them at times in the past. But if you're talking about uh, you know Sam Bradford, okay, he's not quick either. Well, the Patriots are the masters of the QB sneak. Right. Tom Brady succeeds on – Either one or two yards to go, third or fourth down, 91% of the time yep. he gets it. I mean, that's an incredible success rate, and he's the slowest quarterback in the league. He's slower yeah. than Matt Asiata. So when you're uh, talking about Sam Bradford not being quick either, also your best offensive lineman is Joe Berger. Right. If there's one guy who's going to get a push, it's him. And I don't know why it hasn't been even considered since you're watching the same play fail week and week and week and week, and it's cost, I think it's cost them games, the yeah. fact that they don't do it. Maybe the Philadelphia game they couldn't get a, a yard, yeah. the Chicago game they couldn't get a yard, and then Last against week. Washington too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you have a point there. I mean, I, sometimes with giving it to a running back, the counter to that, I guess, is that there will be those times where the running back can get you a lot more than one yard Adrian Peterson proved that last year. There was a fourth and one where he ripped it off for 80 yards and scored a touchdown in Oakland basically a year ago last weekend that won the game and sealed the game. Um, and you, you can't get those plays every once in a while, but when you're not getting those plays from the guys that you have, and if it's a situation where it's like, hey, we just need a yard right at the goal line, yeah, I, I think that's certainly something to try. And it it doesn't make a ton of sense why they haven't done it. I agree with you there. And I feel different uh, if it's Adrian Peterson, probably. Yeah. Even though their red zone success last year when trying to run Peterson all the time wasn't that great either. No, it wasn't. Giving him the ball a lot in the red zone. Also, in those situations, I looked this up with the Vikings where they just then second down, third down, fourth down, because obviously you'd never have a first and one. Yep. uh, Except at the goal line. Sam Bradford is nine for 11 if he's thrown on second down and one, third down and one, or fourth down and one. Yeah throw the ball run the ball i mean there's it seems to me that the worst option is giving it to your replacement level player running back to run deep in the backfield to to run behind an offensive line that has been the worst in basically history at blocking for the run yeah yeah they have and and uh i did a piece this morning with matt bowen kind of looking at some of those one yard 
situations where they didn't get very much. And there was one, I think one of the three that we looked at that was the second one they actually converted, but they barely got the yard. And then the other two times it was it was a mess. And, and there was one of those where on a third and one, T.J. Clemens got pushed way back into the backfield and, and Matt Asiata basically had to try to spin away to make anything happen. And then another one where the Redskins defensive end split a block between Alex Boone and uh, and Jake Long. And, and I think there was – you know they didn't pick up Josh Norman. I mean, there were a lot of issues with it that just the blocking scheme wasn't good enough to to get that yard, and and you don't really have a guy that's going to be able to make a ton of people miss. So, yeah, when you're in those situations, it it makes it tough. And and continuing to just do what you've been doing and hoping it's going to work better probably is not the best strategy. It, the old uh, definition of insanity probably yeah. applies there. Well, they did that with the kicker, and it didn't work out. Yes, now, we could. Do you want to talk about the kicker or do you want to talk about Arizona? Um, what do you want? Do you want the kicker? We we should probably spend a couple minutes on the kicker. Okay, I all mean, right. I, we should Here, at least Here's my take it. on the kicker. Hopefully this guy makes him. Yep. End of take. Yep. I, I would agree because if he misses on Sunday, it's going to be right back at DEFCON 1. And, uh, I mean, I, there's no reason to think that he won't make you know make the kicks he needs to make. I, I, I think everybody would agree this was a – it was in Blair Walsh's head. I mean, there's no question about that, and and it's uh, it's unfortunate, but you could tell basically when he came back from the off season that it was going to be a rough year. And I had talked to a couple of people that that hung out with him during the off season that kind of said, "Yeah, I don't know. It's, it, I'm a little worried." So it, it didn't work out, and the the cap hit is unfortunate for them. And it's uh, they had a big investment in a guy that plays a position that. Is should be ter- fairly fungible, but uh, yeah, he moves on, and, and they got to try to fix it. And there's, you know, in the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, uh, I the one last thing to add is that from the locker room today, it doesn't sound like there was anybody who was upset about. No, it. Even, no, that even, was very clear. Uh, Kevin McDermott, who's the long snapper, said he's one of my best friends in the world and always will be. Right. But this is a business, and you got to make the kicks. I mean, Alex Boone was very blunt in saying, "Yeah, I feel sad for the guy who got cut, but make the kicks." You got. Well, I think he said actually, you have one job. Yes. Well, it was like an internet. Meme. I gave you one job. Right. You've got one job, and you got to make the kicks, and you didn't, so you're gone. So everyone, it seemed, was kind of on board with. Well, that's that's the game. Well, and that's the thing that you always sort of wondered when guys were standing by Walsh and and saying, "Well, he's our guy. We believe in him." I mean, they have to say that at the time, but you always sort of wonder when it's these guys that are, are going out and, and laying themselves on the line every week and getting injured and playing through injuries that they look at a kicker and if he's not doing his job, there's probably not a ton of patience from those guys for that privately. They're not going to say that publicly, but Alex Boone pretty much let you in on it today that that, uh, that belief is probably correct, that a lot of those guys sit there and look at it and say, come on, man. We're we're out here busting our tails, and especially in that game like the Lions, where if you make an extra point, we win, and if you don't, it goes for naught. It's like, okay, there's not there's not going to be a ton of sympathy for that if it keeps up. And the one thing I always like about Alex Boone is, uh, you may not always like the answer, but it's going to be what he thinks. <laughs> I mean, yep. it's, he is very straightforward. You may not uh, always like it. You may not always be able to play it on the radio. Quite often, you won't be able to play it on the radio. <laughs> right. Quite often, the FCC won't like it, but. Uh, he says what he thinks. That's true. Arizona, their offense has been far less prolific yes. than it was in the past. Uh, if you look to last year, they are number one or number two in a lot of categories. Points, 
total yards, yards per play, touchdown throws. And this year they are in the bottom 80 third of the league. 80-yard shovel passes in playoff yeah. games. <laughs> yeah. They are in the bottom of the league in a lot of those things. What's different? Because it's not personnel. They have most of the same players back. I think Carson Palmer has not played very well. I mean, I think that's been a lot of it, talking to our, our guy out in Arizona, Josh Weinfuss. That's been a lot of the issue. Josh is a Hopkins High School product, I believe, so he's coming back home this weekend with like half of the Cardinals roster that's from Minneapolis. Um yeah, Carson Palmer has not been the same guy that, that he was last year. I, the, the personnel is still good. I mean, that defense is still really good, and they have a lot of weapons. I mean, between David Johnson, a guy that the Vikings actually worked out in uh, in 2015, I guess, before the 2015 draft, they worked out David Johnson and Jay Ajayi. So uh, what could have been, I suppose, but they were intent on bringing Peterson back. So uh, they have a lot of those guys that are available to uh, to make plays, but I think a lot of it's been Carson Palmer. Now, the thing last week is they got back to throwing the ball downfield, admittedly, admittedly against one of the worst teams in the NFL, but if they can get back to, to being able to stretch the field, that's uh, probably something to be a little bit concerned with this weekend. There's a few major concerns going against this offense, even if Carson Palmer has hit the age wall, which yeah. I think we've declared that for him about two to two or three different times <laughs> yes, in his career. We have. Um, but he, even if he has hit the wall, one of them is if Terrence Newman, it's an illness, and it doesn't sound like anytime you see illness that it's going to be that bad. I wouldn't maybe, think so. Maybe it's just a day or two of practice yeah. that he misses. Uh, if if he's out, though, or if Xavier Rhodes isn't 100%, he had to leave last week's game with a potential concussion. He was practicing today. If there is any weakness in the secondary from being 100%, then it becomes a huge problem. With Larry yeah. Fitzgerald still out there balling at his age, and John Brown and Michael Floyd, they've got those. And then well, you mentioned it earlier, but Eric Hendricks being out, David Johnson, I feel like that matchup is just a nightmare for the Minnesota Vikings, especially if they don't get Captain Munnerlyn back. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we found out that over the last two weeks, Captain Munnerlyn was a huge part of this he defense. Is. He is. He very much is. And, and he likes to joke about how nickel corners don't get enough respect. <laughs> and you kind of – don't know what you have till it's gone to uh, quote Joni Mitchell, I guess. Yeah, definitely not quoting Counting Crows because Joni Mitchell wrote the song. Um, man, we are all over the place with pop culture references today. Is this the paved parking lot? Yeah, it's, per- I'm not a big fan of the song. Paradise? Yeah. Oh it's, a, oh, it's a brutal uh, song. Big Yellow Taxi, I believe, is the actual name of the song. But, yes, they, pa- they paved paradise to put up a parking lot, which I suppose is uh, – Metaphorical. They paved a parking lot and put up paradise, I suppose, in downtown Minneapolis uh, with the U.S. Bank Stadium. That's at Good least what, uh, what Lester Begley and Jeff Anderson would like me to say. Um, what the heck were we talking oh, about? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> David Johnson, uh, <laughs> Captain Munnerlin, I think. Yes, uh, yes. Matchups over the middle, Eric Hendricks. There we go. We're back on track. Um, yeah, I think those two guys both not practicing today is, is the big concern of the week because you need those guys both – against what they're going to do with David Johnson. And they like to put Larry Fitzgerald in the slot. They like to throw Larry Fitzgerald the ball a lot. And he's been banged up, but in his latest and who knows, maybe one of his last games in his hometown, he's going to play. He's going to be ready to go. I mean, they, they're they going to be able to put three or four wide receivers on the field a lot, and you need all the cornerback depth you can get this weekend. The fact that the – Vikings' top three corners, only one of them practiced today and in, was in limited fashion. Now it's Wednesday. You're going to have some time to get some of those guys back, but uh, that is a concern going into this game. I will say, though, that 
the Vikings had lots and lots of defensive issues last December when they played out in Arizona. They were coming off getting whipped by the Seahawks at home, not like the playoff game. They got blown out of the building against the Seahawks last December. They had to go out to Arizona four days later and and should have won the game if not for uh, one or two plays that went wrong on defense. Trey Waynes, I think, messed up an assignment. And then, uh, obviously, the fateful final call that Teddy Bridgewater was not able to audible audible out of and that he led to the strip sack that lost the game. But uh, the The beginnings of the Norv Turner wall crumbling, I think we we could call it that The first public signs of the Norv Turner wall crumbling. There There were signs... Uh, going on behind the scenes before that. But, uh, yes, the first public one, it was like, okay, something is amiss here. All right, we got new rules for this quarterback game. So All here's, right. here's how what it we works. Got? Ben, you did very well last week in guessing Washington quarterbacks. Yep. So we have decided that you get another week after okay. doing that. And what you like have Jeopardy, to do. Like Jeopardy, I get to come back. Yes, it's just like Jeopardy, you get to come back. So what you have to do is get at least 50%. We need theme music to keep for this. Going. We do. Uh, or get like big voice guy to do. A, <laughs> yeah. We we'll 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 talk to. We'll see if we can cook something. Talk to up. the people and see if we'll talk to Derek Wetmore and see if we can get a budget for that. So there are sixteen, and we're going back to two thousand two. Is the last time Jake Plummer played? So in the right. post Jake Plummer Arizona Cardinals era, there are sixteen starting quarterbacks for the Arizona Cardinals. You have to get to eight, and you get three hints. So you can get to you can get to X number, and then you can say, "All right, give me give me some hints on some guys." What happens then, if I don't get to eight? And then we could go from there. Then, if you don't get to eight, then it is my turn next week when they play Detroit. Yes. And then I got to go back okay. to pre Matt Stafford and see what I can figure out from maybe so, the Scott Mitchell era. If I don't get to eight in the parlance of our president elect, I'm fired. <laughs> That's are. as political as we're going to get. All right, 2003 and beyond. All right. Eight of them. Okay. Um, Kurt Warner. That is correct. Carson Palmer. Correct. Ryan Lindley. Right. Uh, Drew Stanton. Correct. John Skelton. And the only reason I know that is because he started against the Vikings in a terrible game in 2012. That's right, right? Oh, yeah. No, okay. that's right. Sorry. That, that, that's <laughs> I, was like, I think that's the guy's name. That is, um, that's five. Uh, you have a lot of the most recent ones there. I... I got I got the the five I I'm within so now you're range. in Hitland if you want to use it I am I I feel like I can get one more here this is really entertaining podcast I that's the thing with this is you have to sit here and, and be ready to go because it's boring listening otherwise um, well, people are playing at home did we um, that. I feel email like Ben like a, the answer as well like you're listening to this there's like an old quarterback. Chris, I think I think you're at Hintland right now. You've got five. Chris you got Chandler three there. to go. No Chris Chandler. No. That probably was before. All right. Um, this this quarterback. Yeah, hit me with a hint I will here. hint from most recent and then on down. All right. So if the guy was recent, then I can keep going down okay. and give you hints. This guy uh, was thought of to be a franchise quarterback in two different locations at one time. I believe Philadelphia thought that he was going to be really good ah, and maybe gave him a contract. Yes. And then in Arizona – Kevin but things Cobb. fall apart with concussions. That is right, Kevin Cobb. Uh, so I should have got that without a hint. That's six. Speaking of another guy, still, all my goals are still in front of me. So I control my own destiny. This uh, this quarterback also in another location was thought to be a franchise quarterback. Had a great year throwing to a former Michigan wide receiver. Now he's a backup. Um, 
what way can I put this? Maybe he's your most capable NFL backup at this point. Uh, Maybe if I give you great year throwing some to a former of the teams Michigan that he played receiver. for, that might be uh, stretching on the uh, the hints. But uh, Carolina, Cleveland, Cleveland should be a dead giveaway. Uh, here. I'm moving on. Yes. Um, great year throwing to a former Michigan wide receiver would be Braylon Edwards. Um, you are Derek Anderson. That is right. That yeah. is right. All right, you're at seven. Now this this guy, I mean. Every time you do a quarterback trivia game, this guy should just be there, or his brother, or his other brother, or maybe his cousin. Oh, of Kate. course. How did I not get this? The guy that was on the the other end of one of the more famous season-ending plays in Vikings history, Josh McCown. That is correct. No. Well, that is—that's the only reference to our competing radio station we're going to make on here. That is eight. So now that's our, very fitting. I finished it with Josh so, McCown. So you got eight. So you can move on to Detroit. So I'm playing with house money. But then many, I can make how, the other call. This is not Detroit, man. This is a Super Bowl. How many more can you get? How many more can I get? Um, uh, I'll just go right to the hints here. This quarterback. Yeah, do I get um, free hints now? Was in. Well, yeah, you get free hints now because right. you already won. I did it. So this quarterback, uh, a, a rule change involved this quarterback. It was a playoff game threw a pass that was either a catch or not a catch, and it ended up resulting in the NFL going back and looking at what is a catch. Oh, John Kitna. Uh, that is Sean King, actually. Sean King. Oh, yeah. Now, there is a quarterback out of Michigan that I'd be stunned. Are you talking of the, the Calvin Johnson play? No, no I'm going no, no, before no, that. No, I'm going uh, way back. I'm going to Tampa. the early 2000s. Tampa yeah, Bay it was the, the Rams, uh, yes. Who the heck caught that ball? I, uh, I can Bert pick- Emanuel, maybe? Yeah, I mean, it was they lost. Wasn't Ricky Prohl involved in some Could controversial play Prohl. in that game? But I think he was playing for the Rams at the time. Yeah, um, it was like an eleven to six game or something. Best quarterback, the losing side of the best college football game I've ever seen in my life. Oh, duh, man! How did I forget Matt Leinart? Matt Leinart. Yes, that was Correct. a phenomenal game, and Matt Leinart was also the quarterback. For the Denny Green, they are who we thought they were rants, mm. which is another Minnesota tie there. Okay. I remember that at the end of that when Green walked off, the PR guy sheepishly comes up and says, uh, Matt Leonard will be here in a minute. <laughs> Trying to diffuse the awkwardness in the room. Um, Brian Hoyer started one game. Okay. Um, also, Gosh, I can't believe I forgot Matt Leonard John already. Navarre, former yes, Michigan quarterback. Another Michigan guy, yep. And I'll give you one more that you could – possibly get with hints i wanted to give you john navark you had no chance there. the fact that i got john skelton you can feel good about that is that the one you thought i'd never get no i i thought you would never get uh max hall i think oh yeah there's no chance i would have got no, that we're gonna get max hall now this one though this guy started for one year okay in 2003 and he was a good starter for a very short time in year. cincinnati it was a mccown year but this guy started 13 games this year then mccown played three Okay. He uh, was a good starter in Cincinnati. He was quite good in Cincinnati for a couple of years. This might have been when they had uh, the two guys named McGee, Tim McGee and another McGee as the receivers. And um, then he went on to Baltimore uh, for a short time. Arizona oh, might Jeff have been. Blake. That's right. That yeah, is they used to, like when he was in New Orleans, they used to chuck it all over the place. Yeah, I can totally picture Jeff Blake. And there you go. There's your. Horrible Arizona quarterbacks leading up to now having, or at least until last year, one of the best. So I live on to uh, tackle the Detroit Lions. You survived in advance. I survived in advance. So I got the Lions next week, and then if I, well, we're just going to take it one week at a time. We'll probably go pre-Matt Stafford on that. Yeah, we'll have to. 
I mean, we we take it one week at a time and see where we get to. So uh, should we wrap this up and make some predictions here? I think we should. All right. What do you got? I don't know. I, this one is hard. <laughs> I mean, this. I was hoping you go first. So this then is, I had some ideas because I don't a, know either. This is a challenge. I mean, because you could see Arizona getting it together a little bit on offense. They have a good defense. Yeah. I mean, other than Philadelphia, this might be the best defense that the Vikings have faced all year. So I think, I think I might actually go Arizona. Oh, five and five. I, I think I might go team. Arizona. Now I've picked the Vikings every Purple Podcast so yeah, far. Yeah, I have too. And they've <laughs> lost. Hey, I'm over 500 in picking them. Sure. Um, I think this would be a very close game, a uh, very short or a very low scoring game, looking at like a 17 to 20 result, possibly. Yeah. I think I might go Arizona here. I. My, this is why I don't gamble because I'm so wrong yeah. about picking games all the time. My head says Arizona. My. Pelvis. My. Ex- no. <laughs> Spleen uh, is, is leaning Vikings. My gut, yes. Um, my gut is the Vikings because I still think they're good enough that they're going to figure this thing out. I don't think they have lost control of this thing yet. And I think being at home, it's a game they know they're going to have to win. I, I, I just, the, Do you call a Kai Forbath 56-yard field goal to win it? <laughs> uh, here, here's the source of my cognitive dissonance here. I just... If Patrick Peterson's on Stephon Diggs, I think it's going to be really hard for the Vikings to be able to do enough on offense to make that work. But the thing is, in the NFL, every time you say that and you think that, oh, this is this is absolutely what's going to happen, there's no way around it, something else happens. So, I I guess... And, and if the defensive line for the Vikings is getting their yeah. stuff together, yes. this would be the week to do it because it's deep drops and, and vertical yep. throws. Yep. So, I think, yeah, I, I think they'll do enough. I think they'll hit Carson Palmer a few times. I think they'll maybe... Uh, force a turnover or two, I will say they win it 13 to 10. And yeah, Kai Forbath bangs one in to win the game. Why <laughs> Perfect. not? Perfect. Perfect ending to the storybook of Kai Forbath. Yes. Uh, we will be back on Sunday afternoon to recap Kai Forbath's first game. We will either be preparing for the pivotal NFC North showdown game against the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving Day, or we will be uh, chronicling a team on the brink. One way or the other, we will be back with you on Sunday afternoon. Matthew and I with the Sports Grinch in the house. Judd Zolgad, of course, will be with us at U.S. Bank Stadium following Vikings-Cardinals, and we will uh, see where the NFC North stands at that point. But until then, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you Sunday.